Impact, Income, and Influence. Matt Johnson is the author of Microfamous. It's a book that teaches introverts how to build a six-figure business from scratch without posting on social media. No over-the-top Facebook posting, no Instagram posts, nothing like that. It's all about how to become microfamous in your niche so that you can have a hundred raving fans that will pay you enough to make six figures in one year. This is a fantastic episode that I really enjoy creating, and I think you will get so much out of it. Enjoy. Impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy on the internet. I'm your host, Steve Warner, and I am joined today by Matt Johnson. He is a podcast agency founder. He is the author of Micro Famous, and he is a podcast host himself. He has a great interview style and an amazing voice, but better than all of that, he has come up with the perfect marketing system for introverts. This is going to be a really, really fun interview. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. It's uh, it's great to be here. I'm super excited for the conversation. Awesome. So, I mean, of course, you weren't always an author. Nobody's born an author. Yeah. Uh, you didn't own a podcast studio 10 years ago. At least I'm pretty sure you didn't. No, that's, I was not that prescient. So tell me how this came to be and talk to me a little bit about being an introvert and being a podcast host. Like how'd this all start Ooh. for you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I would consider myself an extroverted introvert, meaning I can turn it on when I need to. Um, but then I want you to go away and I want to take a nap, right? So like you're, you're my last call of the day. I schedule all my calls in the mornings. I don't have any calls in the afternoon. And after that, like after we're done here, I'm going to go eat lunch and work out. And then I'm, I'm going to go work by myself, where, which is where I recharge, right? Um, five years ago, I was just some guy working in another agency. And uh, we, had, we got the idea to do business development in a different way, which is we want to start hosting live Google Hangouts with all the key influencer relationships that our agency had. And so I started, I got the opportunity to basically start interviewing all the absolute top level experts in, in our field, which is real estate in that case. And uh, I had some experience. I used to run a real estate team back in the day before the crash. And, and so I knew all the books. I knew who the coaches were. I understood the culture. And I was able to just ask good questions. And that, I think that's one thing that introverts are really good at is, is we're more active listeners, we're empathetic, and we tend to ask good questions. And uh, so that, that just kicked off a, a really cool series of events where I went from uh, just kind of hosting those webinars with a bunch of people to one of them calling me up one day and, and said like, hey man, uh, we should start a podcast together. And I had been thinking about pitching him the same thing. So the timing was perfect. We, we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do, but we knew that he wanted more coaching clients. I was thinking about getting into like creating training products and stuff like that. So we just launched a podcast. And uh, it was one of those things where it, it feels like it's a fish in water now, but it did not feel like that then. You know, like we were live on YouTube. It was all live, 100% live video, which was then turned into a podcast afterwards. So I, I literally went from being a nobody that worked behind the scenes and nobody knew who I was to being the guy out there, like introducing everyone, interviewing everyone. I interviewed everybody in that space. They all knew who I was. And that podcast essentially made me micro famous in the residential real estate space, and especially in the space of real estate team leaders. Uh, I co-hosted the podcast that's essentially the dominant show in that podcast space right now. It's super niche, but I became like micro famous in that space in 18 months. That's what podcasting did for me. So yeah, everything just kind of uh, went off from there. So how many interviews would you say that was in the 18 month span? Oh my God. Real Estate Uncensored at one point was running three days a week with guests. Then I was hosting two other shows and then doing some Facebook lives. And my, I, I swear I was on like I was on live video somewhere between five and eight hours a week. Dude, as an introvert, how does your mind just not explode? Like, <laughs> um, well, what's interesting is I, I, I've, I've worked from home since 2015, 
And so, so yes, it drains my energy to like do back to back to back calls and meetings all day, but not like going to a networking event, not like going to an industry conference. Right. Um, I remember distinctly before I started all this stuff, um, I, I did go to some industry events and stuff like that. And I was hanging out with one of our strategic partners and I heard through the grapevine that he asked my CEO afterwards, he's like, does Matt actually like me? Did like, did he enjoy himself at all at that event? I'm like, I, and, and he, the CEO is telling me about this afterwards and laughing about it because he knows me. We're both introverts. And I'm like, I had a great time actually. I was just tired because I don't, I don't hold up well for eight straight hours at an event. And um, so for, to me, doing this stuff virtually does change things. I can be in my comfort zone and I'm by myself while I'm networking and having conversations. So it, the, the energy drain is just different. There's not so much external stimuli. I'm not worried about a thousand other people milling around next to me and all this stuff. So it, so it is different. I was able to do that and, and keep, my, keep my energy up. Well, let's, let's go back and talk about that from, from like 2015 when you started as an introvert, because I think this is something people get really overwhelmed, right? I know there are more podcasts coming out now. I know there's more live video, but people are still really overwhelmed when they're getting started. They make this huge to-do list. They have all these things flying around in their head. And I think introverts even more so are like, this is just going to kill me. Like, I don't know if I can do it. How do I put myself out there? But then you see people, Russell Brunson, introvert, super awkward in person. If you ever meet him, really nice guy, but mm -hmm. definitely like way on the introvert scale. Mm -hmm. How did you, I know you were doing like the Google Hangouts before, but how did you go from that to like, okay, I'm actually doing this and I'm going to be on video. Like what, what was the mindset that you got into and how did you manage that? Man, that's a good question. It all, it all happens so fast. Um, I, I think part of it is that I was just naturally driven from a young age to to teach and to train other people. Like when I grew up, my dad pastored a couple of different churches over the course of my childhood. So I grew up like for me, public speaking was an expectation, not something to be dreaded. So there, were, I did have that little advantage there. Um, and the other thing about podcasting, which I think is different from a lot of other other ways that you could market yourself or, or use video and use audio. I think what what's unique about podcasting is there authentic, real conversations. Like you and I are talking about ideas and stories, like, and it's interesting and it's dynamic. And it's not me sitting in front of like a video screen and a teleprompter trying to get the wording perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's not, it's, it's just a different thing. So I love the battleground of ideas. That's part of why I love marketing to begin with. And so podcasting is like a space where you get to talk to really smart, cool, interesting people about really awesome stuff. And so it doesn't, it doesn't drain my energy in a way that makes it feel overwhelming. So I could do two or three podcasts a day and be fine, you know, versus if you sent me into a cocktail hour, I'd want to duck out after about 10 minutes it, because it just, it just, it, it, the experience of it in the moment is different. And I think a lot of introverts are like that. And I don't think for those that don't know podcasting, even if you're on video, it's just, it's different. The energy drain is nowhere near the same as a live event. It's just easier. You can do more of it. You can have more deep conversations. It's really interesting. It's a great way to connect and network with people. Uh, and you get to like potentially pants are optional. I mean, granted I'm wearing just, just to clarify, pants are not optional for me, but for some folks, they are optional. That is very true. I mean, I think something that you touched on as well, like for the introverts listening, like you get to be in your comfort zone, right? You, whatever you were doing five minutes before we jumped on the camera, you could have been meditating, you could have been having a cocktail, you could have been drinking some orange juice and doing yoga. And then you pop in, we do the interview and you can pop right back out. And like, you're not, you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to go to somewhere new. You don't have to shake hands with 50 people. Uh, we got to know each other right before we jumped on through a few minutes of conversation. It's not overwhelming, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for, and for anyone that's like, if you're introverted and you feel like you're like, I always felt like I was bad at small talk and, and there, there's an element of truth to that. And there's an element that it's just a limiting belief because it's absolutely something that can be learned, obviously. Um, but I do feel like, you know, this, this environment where you can kind of pop on and you're on Zoom and you're just kind of having a good time. It, it doesn't feel like small talk at a networking event where you're trying to figure out the social logistics of, oh, do I need to get this person involved? And like, what group of people do I walk up to? And do I know this person? Do they just look like somebody I know from a distance? Like, is, it, is my eyes are bad? You know, there's the, like all this, so you take all that stuff out of it and you can really just focus in and zero in on the person across from you and just focus on having a great conversation with them and making them feel 
heard and, and valued and stuff, I think that comes really easily to introverts. Um, so for those that don't know that, like, that's part of why it, what makes it so enjoyable. I mean, you just gave a huge amount of insight. Um, I'm an extrovert. None of those things go through my mind at a cocktail hour. <laughs> Seriously? No, oh, like I'm just it. like, oh, well, I mean, like, I'm like, oh, I want to go talk to that person. I'll just wander over. And I mean, I'm a lot like you. I grew up in a public speaking environment um, where I was always, always on some kind of stage, mm -hmm. uh, big or little, but I just got really, really comfortable with it. I started waiting tables at 12 years old um running around a restaurant and like then from there like i did stuff at my church um mm -hmm. i led a lot of things um i was student class president like that kind of stuff right yeah um but yeah if i'm at a cocktail party none of that is really going through my head unless i usually know like one or two people i absolutely want to meet so i'll be looking okay. for them but i'm not i'm not worried about anything i'm just like cool that's i want to go talk to that person and like what oh, cool man. I, I like to come up with social openers. Like I, I, I really enjoy the art of conversation and language. So yeah. watching that and listening, I, I definitely like listening to people. Um, so I want to, as an, as an introvert, I think a lot of people, a lot of the things that I hear, um, cause I've had some people reach out to me actually about the podcast and say, you know, you listen really well and you ask really good questions. Mm -hmm. I feel like that comes natural, but talk to me as an introvert, because you're obviously really processing this stuff. Mm -hmm. I would think introverts would be scared to do a podcast because they're like, what am I going to talk about? What if nobody says anything? How did you, cause I would say we're not having a lot of small talk. We're not bantering. No. And I think that's part of what introverts have a harder time with is the, the small talk and banter. Now, now I, I like it. I've gotten better at it over the years and stuff, but the cool thing about podcasting is you do tend to kind of dive into the deep end fairly quickly. Like we're talking about deep ideas and our backgrounds. And like, if you and I met at a cocktail party, it would take us some time to get past the initial, oh, the weather outside and, you know, like, who do you know here? And like just all the shallow questions that we tend to, to talk to each other about when we're in person on a podcast, the expectation is like, hey, we're recording something and it better be damn good. So you kind of jump into the deep end faster, uh, which is, I think for introverts, it, it, it suits us really well because we're like, hey, skip the shallow stuff and let's get into the fun stuff faster anyway. Um, so I think that that actually works really well and it kind of fits our strengths as far as being afraid. I think where introverts may be afraid of starting a podcast is if they get overly caught up on the idea of them doing these perfectly scripted 10 to 15 minute solo podcasts where it's just them talking and there's mm -hmm. no, there's no back and forth. There's no interaction. There's no engagement. And that's fine. Like I I've done a mix of, cause I do solo episodes, a lot of them on my podcast and, uh, I used to script them out. Then they went to bullet points and now I can rant. It's just a process like you just get used to it uh, so i think if introverts understand that just realize that there, there is a natural growth process and if you feel more comfortable scripting some stuff out in the beginning do it do what you need to do but you will probably get to the point where you can just start talking stream of consciousness and you'll like how it sounds it's just a process that's that is like such good advice that's what i always recommend people take take a post-it note flip it upside down three bullets you can stick it on the back of your phone so you can see it if you're doing a facebook live yep. but it is a process and you eventually get better just like anything you're going to do mm -hmm. um do you know that's Garrett a good White? idea i like the pot i like the post-it note thing that's smart just pop, like popping it up so it's like on the yeah. back of your phone like yeah i like that yep you'd never take your eyes off it do you know mm -hmm. uh do you know who garrett white is he's southern california I don't think so. That's okay. Um, he just, he has a saying that I think is really funny. He's a, he's like a men's business coach. He's very over the top, but uh, he has a saying that says at first you're going to suck really bad <laughs> and then you're going to keep doing it and you're going to suck a little bit less and then you're going to keep doing it. And eventually you're just not going to suck anymore. You're going to be pretty good at it. And yep. that's, I mean, that is, if, if you have that expectation, um, I like, I talk to people about that with presenting because I teach how to speak on stages or how to do webinars and people are so nervous, like, oh, everyone's going to judge me. You're right. Mm -hmm. But you know what? No one's going to see you when you first get started. So that's. Yeah. And, and they're, and they're not, look, they're not, yes, they're judging you kind of, but they don't want you to fail because that makes everyone awkward. You know, yeah. like if you think of it like a speaking gig, like nobody wants the speaker to be bad. They want you to be good because they don't want to be bored out of their minds and, and want to and not be able to look at their phone for, for being for being rude. Um, they want you to be good at what you do. So, yeah, I think introverts maybe tend to judge themselves a little bit more harshly, whereas extroverts are kind of like, ah, oh, we'll see where it goes. I'll just I'll I'll, I'll I'll open my mouth and we'll figure out what I'm going to say as I'm saying it. 
and mm-hmm. God love them for it. They're all some of my best friends. I, I love extroverts that are like that. Um, I'm, I'll never be like that. I'll have my, my cards of what to say. And, uh, but the more you do it, the more you realize that people are on your side, whether it's podcasting or speaking, they want you to be good at it. And, and yeah, you just have to look at it and go, it's not even so much that you'll suck necessarily. It's, it's that, yeah, like by the time most people find out who you are, you've been at it for so long that they don't know that you ever weren't perfect at it. You know, like my, my CEO had to remind me here like about a year ago. It's like, Johnson, do you remember the very first time you did a webinar with so-and-so you were freaking the F out. You were sweating bullets. I'm like, I literally have no memory of that time. Like I don't remember. It feels so natural now that I, I literally don't remember the struggle anymore. So that I think that happens to everybody. I think it does as well. And that's, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Cause that is, that is so much the truth. Like, it's just like driving a car when the first time you drive a car, like you're excited, but like it's everything you can do to like, remember to press the accelerator and stay in a straight line. Yes. Like, but then after you start doing it, like you don't even remember, it's just fun and you're doing mm-hmm. it. Um, so let's talk about the growth curve a little bit, because that's the other thing that I think people, most podcasts, 95% of podcasts don't make it past episode eight Yeah. of the 5% that make it past episode eight, 90% don't make it past episode 30. Those are real stats yeah. from 2020. So with more than a million podcasts in the world now, what would you suggest to somebody to keep their growth curve going and to keep showing up? Because I think that's mm-hmm. the main thing, right? If you keep showing up, eventually you will gain listeners mm-hmm. and you will you will push into the marketplace and you'll develop a core audience. So when you're working with somebody, if you're talking to them about starting a podcast or doing something like that, one, what was your own growth curve so that you can mirror what you would tell somebody? Mm. So my own growth curve, we maxed out the number of episodes that we could do and then had to back off. And I think that's part of what a lot of people do that gets them into trouble. And so I've made that mistake and then course corrected and just stayed in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, we were doing three episodes a week at one point, all with guests. You know, at first they were, we tried many episodes. I couldn't keep my co-host under 45 minutes to save my life. So they ended up being full length episodes and, and, um, what I realized is that a lot of people that, you know, there's different reasons for burnout and people quitting their podcast, but I, I see this a lot where people get enthusiastic about it and they, they gorge themselves on the interviews. Like, oh man, I can talk to all these people. And then they load up 20 on their calendar for the next two or three weeks and then they burn out. Mm-hmm. So I think the, and there's a, a bigger principle here. Um, one of my mentors said this to me one time, cause I, you know, like a lot of people, you just have harsh inner critic, right? You just always got that inner commentary running, telling you they're not working hard enough, growing fast enough and all that stuff. And he said, look, man, doing your best is not maxing out and squeezing every last productivity of this day. So doing your best is doing today what is sustainable over the long run. If can you do what you did today every day? Can you do what you did today on the day when you don't feel like it, when you're at your lowest energy level, right? He's all about, like my mentor is all about kind of having a performance floor, not a ceiling. You have a floor mm-hmm. that you never drop below. And I think I, I look at that same thing with podcasting, which is why we don't allow, we literally do not allow clients to publish more than one episode a week, right? Because that's a sustainable tempo. One, just do one, just give me an hour a week. That's all I want from you. One hour a week. Don't do more. Don't do five interviews a week, just do one a week and we will publish it. Um, because yeah, like there's people that, um, if I left them to their own devices, they would gorge themselves on interviews and then they'd burn out or they do three, they want to do three episodes a week thinking that would grow their audience faster. And then they'd realize they're burned out on it and then they'd want to quit the podcast. So I think that, like, like I said, the bigger principle there is, is think about what you can commit to that's sustainable and commit a hundred percent to that, but then don't go over that because you're going to hit that point where you don't have the energy and it's all you can do just to do that hour a week. Cause you've got other stuff going on in life. Commit mm-hmm. to only what's sustainable. Awesome. I like that advice. So now, so now we only do, by the way, we only, I, I take my own advice. <laughs> I do my podcast once a week. My real estate podcast is once a week. You know what I'm saying? Like I do, I do yeah. eat what I, what I, what I put out there. 
That's good. Um, have you ever seen, so this is another thing that I feel happens just like they start the podcast on, let's call it, uh, let's call it how to cook cupcakes, right? How to bake mm -hmm. amazing cupcakes, take the cupcake podcast and they start it and they're really excited. And then I don't know, two months in, three months in, four months in, they're like, I'm over the cupcakes <laughs> or I don't, I'm running out of people to talk to about cupcakes or they, right. I mean, we see this a lot, like people's direction changes. Mm -hmm. How do they, how do you handle that as an agency? Like, how do you keep them on track? How do you keep them going down the straight and narrow and like keep producing content? Cause the idea is you're going to do this for at least a year yeah. before you're going to see any yeah. kind of traction. Yeah. Eight, yeah. 18 months before you really see audience growth. Uh, but in the meantime, you can be doing like, you can be building JV relationships, strategic referral partners. There's a lot you can do in those first 18 months to, to get a lot of mileage out of it as your audience, you know, kind mm -hmm. of builds and you lay that foundation. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, you're always going to be tempted to pivot. The, the way that we keep clients on track is, is by bringing them back to the vision of why they started that podcast to begin with and how the return on time and energy comes back to them. So, <clears throat> so I've got a client that, uh, that she's putting her podcast on hold. And the reason is because when she started the podcast, she wanted more agency clients. She wanted more, more high ticket clients, right? Mm -hmm. Well, she started getting them to the point where she's full. So then she started using the podcast to just kind of have conversations about like about whatever, like, and started to stray from the purpose of the podcast. And I could see this coming a mile away. Like I knew this was going to happen. And, uh, and so it led to like a overabundance of interviews, kind of just talking about whatever. And she wasn't seeing the return come back in terms of clients. Cause she stopped talking about the things that bring in clients. Mm -hmm. And so I think when certain things like that happen, you can always trace it back to getting away from the vision of why you started the podcast. You've got to have a crystal clear vision of how is that podcast going to generate like a 10 X ROI and not just in terms of money, but in terms of energy, does your podcast give you energy or does it just suck your energy? Right? Cause if it's just an energy drain, you'll do it for a while as long as it's bringing in sales. But if you enjoy it for its own sake, on top of it generating sales is going to be way more sustainable. So I tend to only work with people that have like, like we were talking about before we, we hit record, you know, just the people that have done interviews, you know, that have been interviewed, um, they tend to be better clients. They tend to be more tuned into the podcasting world. And I tend to serve those clients better because they just enjoy podcasting. So, you know what I'm saying? So yes, you want the sales to roll in. Yes, you want that ROI in terms of income, but you also want it to give you energy and enjoyment, you know? So the people that get energy and enjoyment out of it tend to last longer. Awesome. I would, I think that is true. I think having a crystal clear vision at the beginning, even if, as long as it's a broad scope that they can constantly recommit to, um, yeah. I think that that is very, very good. Um, I mean, that's when I started this podcast, my last podcast was very niche and I got, mm -hmm. that's what happened. I eventually got to the point. I was like, I'm not, I'm not really focusing on this anymore. It isn't my thing. So when I started this one, I was like, I want it to be broad enough that I can always find enjoyment in talking around these talking points and bring, mm -hmm. finding interesting people to bring on because that's, yeah. I love the interview process. I love mm -hmm. going through that's it. True. I love learning about people. So I think that is a very, very yeah, big Yeah, it's an interesting piece. thing that, that the niche, the super niche versus the broad enough. And it's, it's tough to find that mix of a podcast that's broad enough to where it'll always hold your interest for the next several years, but niche enough that people understand instantly that it's for them right now in this moment. And that's sometimes where you just have to choose and you have to go, this brand may take a little bit longer to build. I'm going to go a little bit more vague, a little bit more broad, uh, maybe a little bit more branded. And mm. it's going to be a little bit less clear what problem it solves right now, right this second for, you know, my ideal client, but I'm going to take three years to build this thing. You know right. what I'm saying? And that, and that's, I think that's a, I think you can go either way, but maybe in the end that ends up building you a podcast that you enjoy more and that ends up lasting. So, yeah, I think that there, and this is part of why we work so like deeply. And I, I really dig deeply into my clients' belief systems and their goals when they work with us in the agency is because, yeah, we want to uncover as much of that stuff as we can in the first few weeks of working together so that we make really good decisions on why their show is branded the way it is. What's the strategy and how is it bringing return to them? Uh, mm -hmm. cause yeah, if you get off, off on the wrong foot, you'll end up with a podcast that eight episodes in you're like, well, this is not giving me what I want. 
So right. yeah, that's, that's my perspective on it. Dig, dig in as much as you can and create that vision as clearly as you can. So I have a couple quicker questions that have come up throughout this. Uh, we'll just kind of bang them out pretty mm -hmm. quick, I think. Um, the first one is, so you talked about the client that you have that got so many high ticket coaching clients that she basically like ran out of use for her podcast and like lost focus with it. Mm -hmm. What did she do to monetize it? Cause I know I have coaches and consultants who are listening to this, who want that answer. Okay. So basically in a nutshell, we were very, very specific and intentional in who we reached out to, to bring on as guests for her show. So they weren't just people that could have good conversations. They were people that were potential strategic referral partners, affiliate partners, and influencers in her space that could introduce her to other strategic referral partners. So we essentially used uh, like the first six months of the podcast to build her a network of strategic referral partners. And mm -hmm. that led to introductions and relationships behind the scenes and all, all the stuff that we teach our clients to do. It just worked. And of course, then she was also getting referrals from her own agency clients to other clients and stuff like that. But that, that was really the approach that we took was to put her into a position where she could build really, really deep, interesting relationships with exactly the right people. They, they weren't her ideal client. And that's, I think that people miss the boat a lot on that with podcasting. Can you use a podcast to reach out to your ideal client and get them on the phone? Yes, of course you can. God help us if that becomes the norm in business podcasting because it will ruin it, right? Um, because it's very difficult to produce what I would call a lead gen podcast where you're talking to people that don't have the problem solved that you solve yet and get them to have an interesting conversation about the problem you solve. Those two things do not go well. And I, it's, there's a little small niche where you can do it. You know what I'm saying? But it's, I've, I've seen so many of those yeah. fail. I mean, we talked about the click funnels world, like that was kind of sweeping that about a year ago. And wasn't. Oh my goodness. You, you, I, I, I listened to one or two here and there and they're short episodes, people bumbling all over each other yes. anyway. Yeah. So that yeah. So it's more about building the affiliate partnership and building the network behind the scenes of upriver downriver that can yeah, refer. Basically, like if you think of your ideal clients, like, okay, who's the next level up? So who has relationships, trust and influence with my ideal clients, those are the people that you'd actually want to interview on your show. And mostly they've solved the problem that you sell, you know, mm -hmm. so they've, they've got more of a success story and they're more of an example, uh, than someone who you can sell something to, right? Cause the person you can, you're going to sell something to has, they have no success story that reinforces your point of view. Cause they still have, they're still suffering from the problem that you solve. So it's like, well, what do you talk about that? It, that doesn't uncover that. What, what ends up happening is you have all these awkward, pauses because yeah. you're asking them questions that they don't have the answers to yet because they haven't hired you. Right. right. So yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you recognize that same thing. Cause that's, that's the manifestation of it. You end up with a podcast that sounds awkward and doesn't build an audience more importantly, cause it's not actually giving any value. You're not sharing a success story. You're, right. you're exposing someone's problems and someone's pain. Yeah. And they're like, people don't want to be on that show. No, <laughs> not if they know what it is. So, okay. So I understand what you did. That makes amazing sense and to your credit out of the four people that i've interviewed that do podcasting you're the only one who has shared that so that is super super <laughs> valuable okay good but my question my follow-up question is how do you get those people on the show on that show when you reached out to the real estate gurus that you were working with because it mm -hmm. used to be five years ago you said oh i have a podcast and people are like oh cool i'll come on but nowadays i feel like I mean, there was a, somebody I talked to yesterday got 15 podcast invites, invites yesterday. He's a little <laughs> bit of a player in the space. And he was right. just like, we don't, he, I don't, he's like, I'll be on one a week. But he was yeah. like, we don't even know how to select. He's like, what do you do? And like, we had a whole conversation, but I would love to hear your thought process on how do you actually go about reaching one level or two levels up to find those influencers? Because we know who they are. They're easy to find now yes. on Instagram. Facebook, but how do you actually, yeah, well, interact? And, and they're easy to find. Um, so there, there's two ways in mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter how big your bigger, small your show is or how new or old it is. You can always rely on two things. Uh, number one is circles of influence in your social circles, working your social circle. And what I mean by that is you, you can either do it by direct introduction, or you can do it the way we do it most of the time in our agency when we're either, you know, getting me featured or, or bringing people onto shows or whatever, which is we leverage that mutual connection. 
So a lot of our research, if, if we're like, when we pitch me, we look at who my friends in the industry are, who else has featured them. And then we reach out by saying like, Hey, I know you had Matt Pollard on to talk about his book, the introverts edge, you know, would you like to talk to Matt about his book, micro famous? Cause they're in that, that somewhat similar ballpark, similar, whatever, but Matt has an interesting twist and here's the twist, right? So, but we're working those relationships. So even when we, whenever I teach somebody to reach out cold, whatever it is, I, I teach them to reach out cold through a relationship somehow. And that's something uh, like if you talk to the people that don't have time to be on many other people's podcasts, if mm -hmm. it's the right relationship, they still will. They'll make the time. A hundred percent. Yeah. So there's always that angle. The second angle is if you don't have a relationship to work is you work the quality of the conversation that you're pitching them to have. So a lot of times when I was reaching out in the early days, yes, there was a little bit of that. Oh, you have a podcast? Sure, I'll come on. But also podcasting was new enough to where there was still some natural skepticism too. It was like, well, what do you mean there's there's a podcast? Like I was reaching out to like chiropractors and financial advisors. They're like, what's a podcast? And, and you know, so, so, that, so that was very different. It wasn't an automatic yes. It was, a, I have to be persuaded. Like, give me your best shot. What, why should I come on? And I would tell them, look, this is a chance for you to have a conversation that you basically don't get to have anywhere else. We're going to ask you questions, not, not a, that the consumer wants to know. So it's not a sales conversation. We're not asking you to do the same things you would do on a webinar. You're getting a chance to share you like the journey and the steps of your success with a group of people who are in your space. This is obviously before this was everywhere, but you get to essentially have a conversation that you've never really had before. And if I was going to reach out to a big name, to pitch him on coming on my podcast. In fact, that's exactly what I did. I reached out to like David Finkel, the co-author of scale and, and guys mm -hmm. like that, that I wanted to talk to that were personal business heroes of mine. And that's how I pitched them. I said, look, this is a brand new podcast. We don't have a huge following. I have a very targeted email list in the thought leader space. They're all people who buy books, but here's the deal. I want to talk about X, Y, and Z that I don't think you've had a chance to talk about on other podcasts before. And it was like, yes, I want to talk about that. So if you do your research and you understand like who the, who the mutual connections are and reach out through relationship or you reach out through the quality of conversation, I think still you can get most of the people that you want. That's really, really good advice. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people give up when they go to somebody's Facebook message, send one message and they're like, oh, that person doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, I think doing a little bit of research, uh, I know JLD preaches that quite a bit, like listen to five or six episodes, pick out one or two things that they do. That's really, really specific and comment on that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that is, it makes them feel good. Like, Oh, this person actually gets me and what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm even if they're not that big, I'm willing to share some of my time with them. Um, yes, exactly. I would say the relate, the relationship stuff will trump that. If you can, if you can show you're in the, that you run in similar social circles that mm -hmm. trumps that. But if you're, if you're literally reaching out to people that are three and five levels above you or something like that, or you're reaching out to a Gary Vee or a Seth Godin, yeah. then yeah, you damn well better do your homework. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I want to go back to the questions that you asked, because you talked a little bit about how you, it, it mirrors this research, right? Mm -hmm. How do you come up with great questions? Because it's, I think that's the other thing that probably scares a lot of people. And it's what makes a bad podcast, right? Oh, tell me how you got started with that. Oh, right. what was that like? Like, actually, how do you, do you script your, your stuff beforehand? Have you gotten to the point that you can just do it free flowing? Mm, I would say it's a combo, but in a lot of cases, I'm talking to people on my podcast that I've talked to before. And I know enough about them to know exactly where I want to take the conversation in, in a, in a deep way. Like I, I know, I know what depths I want to get into. So for example, I had Dan Cashel on and we recorded yesterday and he's done a lot of work with the genius network and Joe mm -hmm. Polish and all those guys. And I, I basically, we talked about some other things, but I'm like, I only have one question for you. I want to talk about the fact that we're both in this weird category of consulting and implementation. Nobody knows what to call it. We're not exactly an agency. We're not, a, we're not a consultant. We don't just give you information, let you walk away. Do we call it fractional CMO? Like, like so I basically said, like, I, I want to get into a super deep, like, this is a conversation you never had with anyone else. I want to go deep into this one thing. Now, the reason that I can do that is because I know exactly who my audience is. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's something that's of interest to them because a lot of times they're running that same type of business and they don't know what to call it. It's, it's hopefully getting at a pain that they have right now. And so I think where a lot of people 
go wrong with like general questions and stuff like that is they're they're running a podcast or they're doing something in marketing just for the end goal of getting sales and they're not realizing that you have to draw people into your belief system Mm -hmm. and you got to know what that belief system is and then if you know what your belief system is then you can use your guest interviews as ways to elaborate and shine a spotlight on your specific beliefs that make you different that's when a podcast like an interview podcast can be really powerful for generating sales otherwise it just ends up being a bunch of conversations strung together that they that they could have gotten at a virtual summit and so i think it like like with most things um you know like we're talking about just how micro famous is like the marketing system that's designed for introverts it all starts like the literally the micro famous system essentially starts with you got to know who the right people are because the goal is to become famously influential to the right people, not to everyone, like not to your city, not to everyone in your right. industry. You know what I'm saying? Um, the goal is just to know who the right people are. I think if people understand who the right people are, who those ideal clients are, then you can really drill down and go, what do they care about? And that's where your best questions come from. Got it. I like that a lot. Yeah, people just don't. Uh, I think we I'll give I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, we, we have no idea what niching down really means, right? To really get clear about what, who the right people are. So I had someone, uh, take my, uh, fast track course, which is all my tools and templates for getting featured on podcasts, getting interviewed and delivering a compelling message. So I've got some tools in there on how to really dial in your message and come up with something that's clear and compelling. And I was on with, um, this person that said they spent like five or six hours going through that. And here's what they came up with. I do blah, blah, blah. That helps people make more money with less time. I'm like, okay, let's, we're going to have to niche that down just a hair more, but that that's the state that we live in. I think we, we have no idea what it really means to get clear and compelling, which is to really niche ourselves further down so that we can speak to the right people in a way where they go, holy cow, no one is being that specific with me. Well, yeah. that's no one is being that specific or has shown mastery of that, that specific piece, right? Yes, like exactly. This. When I was running one of my other podcasts, it was, what's funny is like, I've got the real estate uncensored podcast, which has like a million and a half downloads and it's, it's doing great, great. And it gets all the accolades and all the social media, um, acclaim in that space. Fine. But the team building podcast, which I also co-hosted and helped launch, Mm-hmm. That gets like 10,000 downloads a month in a space where the maximum universe of people that can hire them is like 20,000. And that's not a good year, right? Because they sell high ticket coaching and events. So we were talking on that podcast about stuff like, hey, how do you boost your online lead generation from 1.3 to 2.7%? What average person cares about that? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> One out of like one out right? of probably half a million, like very, yes. very few people. But if you have the right people, they are so dialed in. Oh like that's God. a that's a headline that is going to either massively attract or massively repel. Yes, because the people that don't know what they're doing go, oh, that's not a very high percentage. And all the people who run real estate teams and pay tens of thousands of dollars on pay-per-click go, holy cow, you can get 3% conversion on that? I want to listen to the, the hell out of that episode. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of thing where, where if you drill down and you get clear about who your right people are and... Um, and you understand that the right people is not, it's not just some random subset or whatever. Hopefully it's the most valuable slice of that niche that you're going after first. Right. Mm-hmm. And you really dial in the content for them. They will solve your problems because they will make you visible. They will talk right. about you online. They will talk about you in Facebook groups. Like, like I'm not super active on social media, which goes back to the, the original thing we we're talking about with the introverts. <clears throat> If you told me that the only way to grow my business was to take five selfies a day for Instagram stories, I'll go find a job. I, that's just the reality of it. Like there's, there's certain things that I'm willing to do and there's certain things where I'm like, I physically cannot do it. It does not exist within my person. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen. Um, and, but the thing is, is that thanks to podcasting and thanks to the, the other stuff that went into the system that eventually became micro famous, I don't have to be. You know, like I created podcasts that other people talked about. 
Other people mm-hmm. talked about my podcast in Facebook groups. I didn't have to go into Facebook groups and talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I had to do some things to get that initial traction, and that's all well and good, but it, those things continue to grow because the podcasts get talked about at industry events and behind the scenes at this, and people share, share episodes with each other because they're so hyper-specific. So, um, yeah, I think we weigh, like, when, when we think we've niched down, go one or two layers deeper until it hurts. I think JLD said that actually yeah. niche down until it hurts. Yeah. I thought that was so good. That's that is, that is his saying. Yeah. I've heard him say that. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I like you've laid out a very good framework. I want to go back to one more piece. Cause I think people, we all know three or four influencers in our marketplace that we could reach up to or reach sideways to, we could reach mm-hmm. to, right. Do you have a tool? tip framework of how to come up with a list of people that you should be reaching out to that you should have on to build the relationships. Cause I know that that's like, I've seen that part happen with friends of mine that have podcasts, right? They, they get to episode 25 and they're like, I'm out of people. Mm. Like, what am I, who, who am I supposed to be getting to? Because there's, I think there's, we call it the dream 100 list and click funnels, but so few people actually do it. They don't ever get past like 30. I know. So that's, yeah. And that's the thing is it's not, it's not that hard, Um, but I'll give you two things. So number one, I would look at the podcast landscape and I would go, okay, who are the people that I respect or even the people that I've already featured? If you're 30 episodes into your podcast, look at the people you've already interviewed. What I would do is I would look every one of them up on a Google search with the word podcast after their name. So Matt Johnson podcast or micro famous podcast or whatever, Mm -hmm. go look and see who else. So if you wanted to connect with everybody that I know of, it's actually not that hard because I've interviewed them all or they've, I've been on their shows. So you can basically get a sense of who my dream 100 is just by certain by googling my name along with the word podcast and look at who has featured me and who have i featured great 150 200 people easily for every single person on that list i bet Mm -hmm. you can find because we're getting to the point now where people are like podcast guest appearances and it's just getting more common so that's the number one thing the number two thing i would say is look at who has written the books that are on amazon that are in your space and make sure to include the kindle right? Because that's a lower barrier to entry. So look at people that have put their stuff out or they put lead magnets out in the forms of Kindle books and make sure that you're catching those aspiring or emerging thought leaders is what I would call them. The people that have written maybe one book um, and that are kind of on their way up. They might have an audience of five or 10,000 people. They're not super big yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, but they can have really interesting niche, very, very specific conversations that would be of value to your audience. So there's, yeah, the, the, the universe of guests is very large. I just like to look at things through the lens of relationships first. Who can I reach out to using my existing relationships? And then as a last resort, then I'll start reaching out cold. Got it. All right. So would you go with Larry King or Joe Rogan? Oh, oh. Joe Rogan is an anomaly. I really don't understand why he's that popular. I don't think he is an amazing interviewer, which may be sacrilege to everyone listening. So I would say in terms of pure interviewing skill, honestly, I would go with surprise option C, which is Tim Ferriss. But if I had to choose between the two, I would would go, uh, I think I would go Larry King. So you actually, you stole my next question. It was going to be Tim Ferriss or Howard Stern. Oh yeah, Tim Ferriss, hundred percent. So yeah. I I like Tim a lot. I think Tim Tim is very very thoughtful. I think as an introvert, you you that's why you're you I think like that's have that. Why I'm drawn to him. But I mean, he's sometimes I feel like he gets so dry. Um, <laughs> I I have a hard time. Like I'm not a huge Howard Stern fan, but uh, I think that he is genius in the fact that like it's a train wreck. You can't stop watching or listening. And I feel like that's kind of where Joe Rogan comes in because they're both on that same like weird plane where you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth next. I mean, who else could get Elon Musk? Adam Carolla is very much that same way. So Adam Carolla is the reason I'm in podcasting today. I've been listening to him since 2009 and he's very much the same way, but he's more talkative than Joe Rogan about his own stuff. So he gets people to Mm -hmm. open up by him talking but he's so dialed in to when they say something interesting that leads down a rabbit trail, he'll jump all over it. And he's right down the rabbit trail. I love that about interviewers. One of the most frustrating things, and I'm sure you listen to it and, and it probably irritates you too when you listen to other podcasts. 
which is when you hear someone ask a question and the person answers it and they say something really interesting and juicy that you want to learn more about and the interviewer skips right over and goes on to the next question. You're like, wait a minute, that was where the real conversation was going to be, was if you followed up and you went down the rabbit hole, why didn't you go down the rabbit hole? And that, I do like that about Joe Rogan's and the Adam Carolla's and the Howard Stern's of the world is when they sense something, they have that little bit of intuition and they know when to press on it and when to go down that rabbit hole. That's, I mean, I think Tim Ferriss has that as well. That's where he is at his best is when they go off, like off script, like into never, never land. If, <laughs> if you had one Tim Ferriss episode that sticks out to you, what would it be? Oh, well, that's, I, I can answer that very easily, but not because it's, it's Tim. It's because it's Derek Sivers. I freaking love Derek Sivers. So those two together and, and Tim Ferriss is on the introverted side anyway, but Derek Sivers is my exact same personality type. He's an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs, mm -hmm. and you can tell. Um, he's, he's like the philosopher king of entrepreneurship. I, I love everything that he says. Um, I've stolen many, many of the things, like his philosophies and, and integrated them into my own business and life. So that's definitely my favorite episode of those two. To, those two together are really good. If you don't know who he's talking about, we're talking about CD Baby, mm -hmm. uh, sold it, lives on the beach, He's your neighbor, kind of. You could probably run into him on the bike path. He, <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> See, well, is he favorite, in San Diego now? Uh, he's Well, he's a little bit north of you. Um, I believe he is in I believe he's in North San Diego. I might be wrong, but one of the Man, quotes, yeah. I think from that podcast episode, he was like, I was going out on my bike every day to get a workout, and I was pedaling as hard as I could, doing five miles in like 40 minutes or something, something like that. And he was like, one day I woke up and I just decided I wasn't going to go really hard. I was going to have a good time. And I wrote it. It took me two minutes longer to ride the same amount. And I enjoyed it 10 times as much. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Or like, uh, I, well, first of all, I love that example. And that's exactly how I approach business. I don't yeah. try to squeeze everything I can out of every day. I want to enjoy, it's not that I just want to enjoy the ride, but I want to build systems around me that allow me to be myself and enjoy the business along the way. Cause I've, I've run into so many people that did the opposite. They did that huff and puff and they killed themselves. And yeah, they built a business that had like top line revenue. So they get all the attention and that's fine. But then behind the scenes, they're, they're, they're looking at my life and going, man, I wish I lived like you. I wish I ran my business more like you. And so I, I see that kind of stuff go on behind the scenes. And I see how they are behind the scenes when everybody else looks at them on stage and goes, that's what I want. And I go, I hung out with them and I know that's not what they want. They don't even want it, but they can't stop. And I will that's, not be like that. Secretly, I wonder if Gary V, like, I mean, hustle and grind there. I love that your take earlier in this podcast was what's your, what's your floor? What can you show up and do every day, day in and day out? Cause that's going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. Now, Gary Vee, when he did Wine Library TV, he showed up every day and he did that and he did awesome and he built it. I followed him back in those days, like 2013, 2014. And I saw how he has changed now. And like his message is, I, I agree, you have to show up every day. You have to do the work. Mm -hmm. You definitely have to do the work. You, you would agree with that. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to kill yourself and be unhappy because what's the point of building a business, even if it makes multiple millions, and you hate your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think, and, and getting just briefly, the I think the introvert thing, if you build your business and your marketing around stuff that you don't enjoy intrinsically, you will not, like your business will never make you happy, you know? Um, so yeah, I was just very, very fortunate to get like into the world of podcasting and, and just some of the other things that I do, the relationship-based stuff. Because yeah, like I, I have a business that I could have built it a different way and it could have gotten to this point, either the same rate or faster, but I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I wouldn't have enjoyed the ride and I wouldn't have enjoyed the result either. Because the, the problem with if you, if you build your business as if you were an extrovert or if you, any, anytime you're trying to build your business around being someone you're not, not only are you not going to enjoy the ride, but then you're going to get to a point where it should, the business just isn't working for you and you won't know how to fix it. Like right now, I've got I've got things set up to where my business is scalable. The marketing is scalable. More people can listen. I can reach more people. I can do more things. And it doesn't add a single more minute of time to my schedule. 
right? So like I can be kind of patient along the way to getting where I ultimately want to go because I'm, I'm not only enjoying the ride, but I understand that what's going to happen is I've got this scalable structure now that will not only get me where I want to go, but will take me beyond that as far as I want to go, independent mm -hmm. of whether I keep pushing or not. I don't have to stay. It's not just a hamster wheel that I have to keep pushing faster in order to grow. And, um, yeah, I mean, if there was one, if there was one thing I could say to people that, that are listening or, or they, they feel like just they're, they've grown their business in a way that isn't working. It's just that you don't have to do that. Like it's going to take some time to maybe retool things a little bit, but you can build systems around you that allow you to be yourself. That's, that is some of the best advice. I, I tell people that too. When I, whenever, whenever somebody says like, I watch Gary V and I just don't want to do it. I tell mm -hmm. them, you don't have to. There are people yeah. you can build businesses to suit yourself. That is the great thing about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, and you just, you wrap that up very, very nicely. Yeah. Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on. If people are interested in what you do, I mean, you mentioned a course that you have, you mentioned the agency work that you do. Where can people go learn more about you? Where can they pick up Microfamous? Tell us a little bit. So easiest place, just because all the links are there, is getmicrofamous.com. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, as far as the, the next steps beyond that, I think the best thing to do would be to get the book in this case, because we've been talking about a lot of the concepts from it and, and haven't had a chance to really dive into the clear and compelling idea and the three stages of influence and how attention doesn't convert into sales, which is Gary Vee's whole problem right now. Um, all that stuff is in the book and you can get that on Amazon if you're a physical copy person like I am, that's the best place to get it. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on. To all of you listening, thank you. I am sure you got a ton of value out of this. Make sure to check out the book, Micro Famous. And until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning into today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out and they're free at storiesthatscale.com. Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon. Thank you.